This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, April 28th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, remembering Jonathan Sapp. Inflation hits Telluride region. County considers environmental monitoring. And a mountain weather forecast. Look for Jonathan Sapp, and there's a good chance you'd find him pedaling along a trail. He's an avid cyclist. I think he was born with with wheels underneath him, whether unicycle or mountain bike, road bike. um, You know, that that was his passion. That's what brought him joy. That's Brittany Miller, one of Sapp's friends. Rich Shoup remembers him the same way. Anytime that he wanted to go riding, I always knew it was going to be a, a, an adventure. <laughs> you know? Jonathan Sapp passed away at his home in Norwood earlier this month. He was 50 years old. Miller and Sapp met over 20 years ago. Many moons ago when Telluride was a little different. <laughs> they fell out of touch, as sometimes happens, running into each other here and there but reconnected several years ago through cycling. Ended up buying a mountain bike, um, you know, like four years ago and reached out to him. And he just was, you know, like, you know, like we always had been in touch. And he was a great steward and friend and showed me all around the West End and a lot of trails. Miller and Sat biked all over the West End, but one ride sticks out as particularly memorable. For all you bikers out there that may know the West End trails, um, John was like, let's go ride the Y11. And uh, I'd never done it. And I maybe at that point had been on my bike a couple years. So I was not a super technical rider, but um, he took me on this ride. And when we were driving there, I was like, hey, wait, there, it's kind of later in the afternoon and we just had a time change. Like, wait, how long is this ride? I don't know. Like, what are we getting into? Miller remembers John assuring her it was a two and a half hour ride. I'm like, well, it's probably going to take me three and a half hours. I'm like, it's going to be dark. He's like, oh, no, 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 we're fine. We're totally fine. And I just kind of was like, are you for real? Because I really don't think I don't think that's going to be the case. And I just kind of threw my hands up in the air. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to roll this roll with this with you. And sure enough, it was, you know, we were living, leaving in, in, in pitch black and had to walk our bikes. I mean, it was like funny, not funny. And um just a just a a good laugh, and I mean, I'm 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 glad I have that memory with him. Shoop remembers another time biking, unicycling for John in the extremes. It was always fun to go out with him because he enjoyed doing like really challenging trails, and you know, not really the normal trails. Sometimes we take obscure lines, like we went up to the top of Ajax one time, and he rode his unicycle down it, and I rode my single speed bike down that so it was um it was always an adventure but it wasn't always about biking the most difficult trail grover price thinks of him sharing wisdom to those just starting out he just loved taking uh different people out and show them new terrain no matter what your uh ability was and he never made you feel um lesser even you know even though it was you know quite easy for him um, most of the time. And, uh, um, it's just like, yeah, it's just who he was. 
Beyond biking, Miller remembers SAP as a giver, a jack of all trades. Just always wanting to offer support. Um, like if something broke, he'd come and fix it. He was like fix it, man. He could he could fix anything, I felt like. He was a jokester. He could always make you laugh or smile. He was hilarious. You know, we we uh shared a uh, similar sense of humor. Um, you know, I look look back at some of the texts we sent back and forth that were just still make me laugh and were I can't share cuz they're entirely inappropriate, but hilarious. Um, but uh yeah, he was uh someone when you ran into him on the street or the hardware store or whatever that you just in, pretty much en- you enjoyed every um interaction you had with him. Most of all, just he he really had the biggest heart. And he looked out for the community. He was, uh, I mean, pretty much one of the nicest people you could ever meet, honestly. He uh, um, he was always upbeat, always encouraging, um, you know, always... Uh, always willing to help out whatever whatever it might be. I mean, I think the bottom line, like, we all just wanted to be loved and supported. And, you know, I think that goes to show that that's really, that's really what all he wanted in life and what he gave. So next time you're biking or hiking in the West End, stop and take a moment to remember the man who helped us all get there. Jonathan Sapp is survived by his siblings, Lori, Susan, Holly, Libby, Mike, and Chris, and his parents, Ed and Jeannie. Lucas Price doesn't like changing prices mid-season. So, this past January, when his business expenses were going up, he held off bumping up what he charges for food at La Cocina de Luz, which he owns. I thought it was going to smooth out, but it didn't. It seems to have just gotten more and more expensive. With the summer season on the horizon, Price bit the bullet and printed new menus this week, with prices up 15% across the board. I don't like charging so much for Mexican street food, even though it is organic and served in Telluride, Colorado, but it's that or lose a bunch of money. Inflation is sweeping the world, and Telluride is no exception. Price says his labor and food costs are the highest they've ever been. Nate Pleshik is also seeing higher costs. He's the manager at Easy Rider. Everything got more expensive, parts, and we kind of have to charge more for labor and everything. But it's uh, we're trying to do our best to quell the inflation. But quelling only goes so far. Pleshik estimates his prices are up 15 to 20 percent. Some things got a lot more expensive, some things kind of stayed the same, and The big thing is just trying to be smart about buying things. Still, inflation isn't hitting everywhere in the region, at least not yet. Mike Jackman is the store director of Clark's Market in Telluride. He also does produce pricing for all the Clark's stores. He says he's seeing the same season trends now as in the past. You know, some prices go up, some prices go down. Depends on what's in season, depends on, you know, where it's coming from, that kind of stuff. And so I haven't really noticed any changes that are, you know, something that is jaw-dropping or, you know, something that, that, that is just appalling. But he also says some product cost increases have snuck up on them, with prices rising for a while. Still, higher costs don't always mean higher prices for consumers. 
Meat prices, Jackman explains, have gone, quote, through the roof over the last year or so. But he says Clark's didn't raise those prices as much. We lowered our, our profit on those things, and we, we absorbed more of it than we passed along to the customer. Clark's, Jackman explains, is keeping an eye on inflation, but it's really not one of their major worries. Hiring challenges, on the other hand, are still hitting the grocery store. Last year, Clark's installed several self-checkout machines. Jackman says those have been a blessing. Yesterday, I was up front, and there was a, people lining up at the one cash register we had open. Aside from the self-checkouts, there was one actual physical cashier. And these people were standing in line, and I said, guys, the, the self-checkouts, there wasn't a person there. I said, the, the self-checkouts are open. You need to figure out how to use them because it, it may be not too long before we have no cashiers at all. And one guy said, what, are you firing all your cashiers? I, I laughed. And I said, are you not paying attention to what's going on in the world, and especially in, in our country and, and all the way right down to our town? There's nobody out there looking for jobs. We can't hire people. Earlier this month, Clark's reduced their hours, saying it was an off-season change. But Jackman admits that's not the whole story. It has less to do with off-season. It has more to do with the lack of personnel we have in the store. You know, it hurts to do that, and I try to do the things that are the least impactful to our customers. Um, but when it, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I can't work the people we have to death because if you do that, you're just going to lose them too, and that's just not good business. And uh, I value those people way too high to, to do that. Easy Rider is also still having trouble hiring. Here's Pleshek. Finding someone that, that's like qualified is difficult, but even just finding anybody is tough. But he's also not too worried. We've been short on employees for years, so it's not anything new. <laughs> yeah, like... And it's hard to talk about the Telluride economy without mentioning the T word. So far, inflation hasn't made a dent in local tourism projections. Kira Skinner is the Director of Marketing and Public Relations for the Telluride Tourism Board. We're seeing um, very similar numbers to 2021 and 2019. But those projections don't include day trippers. So Skinner says the drive market is the wild card. We saw an increased amount of drive traffic due to the pandemic. Um, and I think we will continue to see that. However, um, with the rising gas prices, um, we may hit, you know, more of a normal pace in that regard this summer, faster than we thought. Healthy summer tourism is key for Lucas Price over at La Cocina. July and August, he says, are when they make most of their money. But inflation could make that harder. If costs keep rising, he says he might have to bump up his prices again. He doesn't want to, but he explains... He can't continue to lose money. Climate change is on the brain for San Miguel County. This week, the Board of County Commissioners held a work session to have a big-picture discussion about installing technology to collect data on regional climate and water. Commissioner Hillary Cooper says the issue has been on her radar for many years. It is uh, very difficult to model sort of specifically for our region. One reason for that, she says, is the lack of readily available data on the regional monsoon cycle. And we have, uh, we have wonderful um, input from citizens, but that's not actually data that can be used um, just because of the quality of it. And we um, have sort of a hodgepodge of climate stations 
um, or stations that are contributing to weather and climate data. That hodgepodge isn't always effective. Cooper points to one local weather station that it turns out was never put online and wasn't collecting data. And a weather station, she explains, needs to be online for at least 10 years to collect enough data to be relevant. I mean, we can get daily data, and that's kind of interesting, but it can't, but that can't, that's not scientific enough to inform, you know, the, the bigger type of sort of climate data that we're looking at. Still, the county Cooper stresses is not in the business of doing scientific research. But she wants it to at least facilitate discussion to see what role it can play to support data monitoring. One place she thinks would be good to start is an inventory of what is already available and where the gaps are. She also thinks they should understand how good quality existing data is. One example there is the snow tilt stations are up at higher elevation. And where we're seeing faster um, melting snow is at lower elevations. So we're not really tracking that. We know it's happening. We're not really tracking it. And the snow tilt stations are maybe getting to be somewhat outdated. Chris Hazen, a contractor assisting the county, stresses it's important to make an informed decision. The last thing we want to do is commit to a weather station that doesn't actually collect the kind of information we need or commit to a location for that weather station, and then we find out a few years down the road it's inappropriate. Bob Grossman is a retired professor of atmospheric and oceanic sciences who worked at CU, who is helping the county. He points to several options, including using data from several satellites across the county each day. These satellites have uh, vegetation indexes on them, soil moisture, surface soil moisture, uh, infrared temperature uh, distributions. Then there's groundwater. Adrian Berger is the executive director of the San Miguel Watershed Coalition. He stresses there's some hazy areas around local information. We don't understand groundwater. We don't fully understand base flows within the watershed. So to make decisions regarding the environment and what we need as far as recreational flows go within the river, we're not very well equipped. The Watershed Coalition, he says, is trying to develop a model to fill those gaps. No final decisions about regional climate and water data collection came from this week's work session, which more so served to bring together stakeholders and push the conversation along. The BOCC also had a high-level discussion this week about developing a climate action plan for the county, which all three commissioners are interested in. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Over the next few days, several events will highlight different ways mental health pops up in all of our lives. On Saturday, April 30th, there will be a free screening at the Telluride Transfer Warehouse of Race to be Human from 7 to 9 p.m. The film addresses the impact of racism on mental health through the lens of students, experts, and educators. Exercise is also a piece of staying mentally healthy. Sunday, May 1st, from noon to 1 p.m., there will be a free CrossFit session at Telluride CrossFit in Lawson Hill. And Tuesday, May 3rd, a Safe Talk Suicide Alertness training will run at Elks Lodge from 2.30 to 6.30 p.m. to teach skills to prevent suicide. If you ask Janet Ruth, story and the natural world are deeply intertwined. Ruth is May's featured poet for the Talking Gourds Poetry Club, Bardic Trails Poetry Night. 
She says poetry and stories are the embodiment of observations in the natural world that cannot fit into scientific manuscripts. Ruth is a member of the New Mexico State Poetry Society and the poetry writing group, The Prickly Peers. Her work has been featured in the Tulip Tree Review, the Tiny Sea Literary Journal, and the Santa Fe Literary Review. She has published a book of poetry, Feathered Dreams, celebrating birds in poems, stories, and images, as well as being featured in a number of books of poetry. Talking Gourds Poetry Club is hosting this month's club in collaboration with the Wilkinson Public Library, Between the Covers Bookstore, the Telluride Institute, and the Telluride Arts District. At the event, Ruth will read some of her work with time for questions about her influences and inspirations and time for participants to share their own poetry. The event will take place on Tuesday, May 3rd at 7 p.m. via Zoom. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. The U.S. Department of Agriculture announced it will be investing millions of dollars in the San Juan National Forest. KSJD's Lucas Brady-Woods reports. The $3 million investment will go towards forest restoration work through the Collaborative Forest Landscape Restoration Program and will be implemented over the next 10 years. The funding is meant to expand existing projects across lands managed by different jurisdictions, such as the federal government, state agencies, indigenous communities, and private landowners. That's important because environmental issues don't stop at man-made boundaries. Jason Lahan is the USDA's Shared Stewardship Coordinator for the San Juan National Forest. He says one reason for the investment is that stakeholders in southwest Colorado are set up to address forest management in a collaborative way. We really need each other to make this happen and then acknowledging that dependency on one another and then actually planning together. We're, we're identifying those areas where we need to do work together um, and then, you know, initiating and engaging in, in planning and developing projects. Lahan also says a collaborative approach allows for forest management efforts to be implemented over a wide area, which is important due to the large scale of many environmental problems. A major goal of the investment will be to mitigate the risk and impact of wildfires, but also to address watershed health, wildlife habitat, and local economies. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Cortez, Colorado. Colorado lawmakers are expected to approve a bill this week to help coal workers find new jobs after their positions are cut because of a switch to renewable energy. KOTO Scott Franz has more. It would send $15 million to the state's so-called Just Transition Office. It was created three years ago to help communities reliant on the coal industry to keep their economies going as power plants shut down. Supporters say the latest round of money will assist displaced coal workers and their families with housing costs, childcare, and job searches and training. Eleven counties around the state are scheduled to get the funding. They include Moffat, Route, and Pueblo counties, which all have large coal-fired power plants that are scheduled to close in the next 10 years. The bill to send the money has bipartisan support in the House. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for increasing clouds tonight with a low around freezing. Friday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly clear at night, with a high near 50 degrees and a low around 25. Winds could gust as high as 35 miles per hour. Saturday, expect sunny skies with a high in the mid-50s. Saturday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 30 degrees. 
This has been the news for Thursday, April 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hello, Kodo listeners. It's Sarah Holbrook from the Pinhead Institute, promoting and providing science education and STEM education throughout rural southwestern Colorado. I've got two crazy science stories for you. The first is from, of course, the New York Times, Science Times, um, where 139 people in China um, who had obesity were tested against each other in terms of weight loss. The women got to eat between 1,200 to 1,500 calories a day, and the lucky men got to consume a little more, 15 to 1,800 calories. This is still a pretty restricted diet, but what they did is they tested people doing intermittent fasting against people who ate that same amount of calories, but throughout the day, and they found no significant difference in weight loss. They all lost an average of 14 to 18 pounds, but it turned out it didn't matter when they ate the food. Another story comes from Science News, independent journalism since 1921. Um, And this is a story about biomimicry. Biomimicry is when humans find things found in nature originally, whether it's animals or plants, and adopt them for their own use in technology. So, for example, apparently, um, I think I've talked to you before about trilobites, but anyhow, there's a trilobite that had really unusual focus, and now humans are creating a camera um, that mimics that focus where you can have things that are both close up and far away in the same frame, both in focus. Um, And as an aside, did you know that Ben Franklin uh, invented bifocals? I just thought you might enjoy that. Um, Anyhow, uh, read more about that in sciencenews.org. It's a great resource for great science stories. Um, I'll also let you know uh, that we actually do have a number of spaces left in our spring classes. Uh, We have, um, oh, we have a fabulous new class I'm excited to tell you about. Um, And that is we're doing a dual immersion Lego Robotics Junior on Friday, suggested by our own master coach. Luis Tavares. So if you want your kids to speak Spanish in a non-academic uh, setting and just while playing around with robots, sign them up for Dual Immersion Lego Robotics Junior with Pinhead on Fridays happening now. We also have space for Mini Makers, Maker Mondays, and Mad Labs. So go on the Pinhead website, pinheadinstitute.org, and check it all out. I should also mention that this Friday is the sixth grade science fair happening at the library in town, the Wilkinson Public Library, from noon to three. So stop by if you want to see some of our budding Einsteins. It's all pretty exciting. That's the news for now from Pinhead. I'm Sarah at pinheadinstitute.org. If you want to get in touch and check out our offerings at www.pinheadinstitute.org. Thanks. The San Miguel Resource Center invites you to join us in recognizing Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which takes place throughout the month of May. Each year, we recognize Sexual Assault Awareness Month to provide educational resources, raise awareness on sexual violence, and to stand in solidarity with survivors of sexual violence. You can get involved, too, by joining us for any of our events. We've partnered with the Wilkinson Public Library and the Lone Cone Library, and we'll have the book Speak by Lori Halls Anderson featured in their book clubs. Or if you're a high school student, you're invited to enter into our youth art contest with a chance of winning some awesome prizes. If you'd like to learn more, follow the San Miguel Resource Center on social media or feel free to give us a call at 970-728-5660. 
Keep your eye out for event details, dates, and locations by checking the Kodo community calendar. We hope to see you all this May. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.